0: Listening to not good enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact checking and agreeing in principle to the use of nuclear weapons. It's all good though. (laughs) It's okay because he's also raising some concerns about their use. Damn, Mm.
1: I didn't know Isaac was the New York Times. Fuck.
0: Uh, no, Isaac's a fact-checker. Um, <laughs> take no that, difference New York Times. <laughs> Isaac's in
2: our headphones buying up our cute little word games and
0: hiding them behind paywalls pretty soon. <laughs> which, is, which is funny because Isaac has actually literally created a cute little numbers game. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to do, I don't think we've ever actually done this before. I was thinking about this this morning before we recorded. But... Hi, new listeners. Welcome. Thanks for checking out the pod. I just want to. It, it's been a hundred something episodes, and we've never once talked to the fucking hoglets that listen to this tripe. So, hi, welcome. Thank you.
1: Yeah, because anyone who's here is here for life, and anyone who's new can catch up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I prefer I prefer treating listeners with contempt
3: you got to figure out who we are by context clues Like the wire
2: <laughs> Mitch, Mitch, what if someone's like a new Like they only started listening But they listened to all the back episodes And now they're here But it's only, they've, you know They've been listening for like a week But they've done a hundred episodes Are they new or old?
0: That's what I was going to say. They are still a new listener, but they're a proper listener. Like By all <laughs> means, you can listen from here and just keep going onwards. You're in the But club. if you don't go back from episode one, you're not going to understand the plot, all the secondary characters, the big twist reveals that turns out. Turns out We're- Angus Taylor's not that good. It's crazy. <laughs> You'll love it if you go back and We're listen. Gonna- <laughs> We're just going to bring up the coronavirus lockdown and all of our new <laughs> listeners is going to
2: be like, the what? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: So we've got some international news uh, from Western Australia where they've they've been promising to cut themselves off they've closed that border they threatened to leave Australia all the time and they've finally pulled it off via fossil fuels because climate change has severed their only railway link to the rest of the country) um, And and it turns out that they kind of needed their only rail link to the rest of the country because that's where they get food and stuff. Like (laughs)
1: Fucking hell.
3: Western Australia does not make- It's also
1: where they get drugs.
3: Yeah, they don't make a lot of pharmaceuticals. They make some food, but not enough. Um, This is where they get their water treatment chemicals. You know, important stuff.
0: So this is something where, like, you know, we've been talking about fucking COVID for- Two years. And one of the refrains coming up now is, we've had two years to prepare for this. Two years. How does WA have one rail link into the state? They've had <laughs> since trains have existed to prepare for <laughs> well, this. Well, this, <laughs>
1: this reminds me of something, though, because, like, one of the things in terms of getting goods to WA, um, back in the distant past uh, of, like, maybe within the last 10, 15 years, um, <laughs> Gina Reinhart once suggested to nuke one of the bays in oh. WA <laughs> so that ships oh, that's could dock. A- <laughs> That's fucking We can just use a digger. (laughs) I I don't know why a nuke was somehow invoked, but things Why do billionaires (laughs)
0: love nuking shit? Trump (laughs) had that idea as well for a storm. Can't we just bomb the tornado and nuke (laughs) it? Like
3: what the fuck? fuck that's project plowshare they were going to do that up in alaska uh, back in the i want to say 50s when they were trying to make everybody think that nuclear weaponry was actually good and could be used for civil engineering purposes they were like what if we nuke uh, a port out of the side of alaska and everyone was (laughs) in alaska was like are there going to be any side effects for that and they were like oh yes so many oh my god it's going to be terrible um and Gina Reinhart must have just read that and gone, oh, it's 30 years later. Let's try that in Australia. Uh. Typical Australia.
2: (laughs) I think the reason that they haven't built a second rail link to Western Australia is because an Australian politician hears that and is like, wait a second, that sounds suspiciously like investment in public transport infrastructure. Why don't we build a toll road instead?
3: I mean, also, like, let's, let's be honest here. A second rail link to Western Australia would be replicating the longest, straightest, most uninterrupted (laughs) railroad in the world. Again. It's um, also
2: like if, unless you were building that second rail link specifically to not get destroyed by flooding, rather than yeah. just to sort of expand capacity, you would just build it alongside the current exactly. one, and it would also
0: <laughs> be broken. Like, that would be that that because is, exactly what would fucking happen to? So because
3: what's it. happened here is a three hundred kilometer section has been flooded out. Um, by massive one in two hundred year floods, uh, so that we can expect that to happen every five years from yeah.
2: now on. At the moment, <laughs> one in two hundred years, uh, but by next year, the, the, our annual
1: flood. Right. That's. Oh, okay. So I just want to quickly um, add to that Gina Reinhardt anecdote, which is something that has just blown my brain out the back of my skull. Okay, so she got that idea from her dad. Um, There was a little excerpt that appeared in a recent Australian story where there was an interview with uh, Reinhardt and her dad, Lang Hancock, in 1969, and she herself, as a young woman, was asked what economic advantages of using a nuclear device to produce iron ore were. And she said, I think my father thought maybe it would be a little less frightening if a teenager explained the concept of the nuclear explosive. (laughs) So years ago, he had me up north to explain to the media what this nuclear explosive would do. Fucking
2: <laughs> God. And
3: she's Jesus. kept failing upwards.
2: <laughs> and she's kept being okay with child labour. <laughs> yeah.
0: Fucking hell. Don't, um, one thing I wanted to just quickly touch on as well, Lang. Like, 300 kilometres. Mm. That's fucking Heaps. That's a that's <laughs> long, that's big. Like I, can't, I can I like I thought it was 3 kilometers of railway have been flooded.
1: But like yeah. How
0: well, the fuck is Australia that
1: big? Australia's fucking huge, dude.
3: <laughs> the thing with the thing with railways is it doesn't matter if it's 1 meter that gets flooded out. Once you've got a break in your rail link, you've got a break yeah. in your rail link. Um Yeah,
0: listener, just one small part of a rail line that takes, I don't know, <laughs> coal or whatever or fossil fuels into some other place. Just one small piece of that's damaged and the whole thing's fucked. Anyway, unrelated. <laughs>
3: Claim it on climate change. Um and so they're having to truck stuff in, um which is much more difficult and expensive and they've had to like temporarily change the length of road trains that are allowed um, and stuff like that. And I'm assuming a lot of the good roads also run through the bit of Australia where all of the flooding is, which is somewhere in in South Australia, uh, which has also flooded out a lot of the stuff to the Northern Territory. Um, But for some reason, that is less of an issue or maybe it's just being talked about less. Uh, I don't know. There's probably side roads.
0: I think there's a lot of this is, like, it's just being talked about less. Like, you know, over in the East Coast where everything happens and the important people are, we're talking about, you know, oh, COVID and rat test still and all the rest of this sort of shit. Whereas, like, yeah, WA is not getting essential fucking food, water and medical treatment. Um, There's also massive bushfires as of Mm. this morning, the 6th, when we're recording, that are, like, you know, threatening places. South Australia as well, which is kind of like... When it's got news we don't want to think about, it's kind of de facto WA. Yeah. Um, that, their, their whole, like, the northern part of that state is a no-go zone. Like, it shit's fucked at the moment, but we're all just sort of like, God. ow. You know, it's rural fucked. It's different.
3: And, and so Western Australia, though, is still like, yeah, the economy is going great because we've got all this fossil fuel development. We've got all these mines. We've got all these great jobs. What are you buying with these jobs? Because um, you can't eat jobs. <laughs> and everything, all your jet skis have just been held up at the rail border. So
1: yeah, it, it's that. such a, like, I think a lot of WA sort of, um, I think, like, with the with sort of having the line share of, min- like, mineral resources as well in Australia, it allows them to, like, grandstand quite a bit. But when push mm. comes to shove, like, every single state benefits from, you know, taxation, income, and, uh, be, you know, having being protected by the federal government for all their business interests. So, <laughs> like, you, <laughs> Thank you can… Thank
2: God for the protection of the federal government. That's… <laughs> Certainly, the vibe I've taken from the last couple of years.
1: (laughs) Like it's so weird that like they like any sort of state still thinks it's lucrative to that extent. Like, okay, sure, WA secede if you want to. Uh, Let's see how that works. Let's see how that works out for you.
3: Not so tough without your rail link.
1: <laughs> I just can't
0: imagine, like, most of Australia working without the rest of it. Like, I reckon mm. we could shear off North Queensland. Fuck them. Mm. <laughs> but otherwise, like, so much, like, like all of the fucking mineral resources and the that sort of stuff is just from WA. But then, like... All of the culture and reason to be alive comes from Melbourne. And then, I don't know, TV <laughs> from Sydney.
1: You're going to have some very angry Novacastrian listeners emailing in. <laughs> I
2: just have to point out that like a lot of it, like we're all ex-comedians from Melbourne. You're aware that the sort of Melbourne comedy scene is exclusively populated by
0: people from Perth. That's what (laughs) I was going to say. I was going to say, what keeps people from Perth going, and I say this as someone who's never (laughs) been to Perth, will not speak to someone from Perth, is the promise that they could one day come to Mm. Melbourne if only for a weekend. (laughs) And you know, we welcome you in. Come, come and take all of our open mic spots. Come and be a better band than the locals. We love you. (laughs) You're allowed here. You're allowed here in our hearts.
3: People in Perth like, tell me about Melbourne, George.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Papa, (laughs) tell us about Melbourne.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but but as much as we're picking on Western Australia, we're really... I want to pick on the Western Australian government because they're full of fuckheads. Western Australian (laughs) people did not deserve this. Um, And uh, this is... I guess it's lucky you all have deep freezers big enough to fit a cow in because thats they're coming in handy right
2: yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucked. <laughs> like, fuck the Western Australian government for this, but this is also such a failure of the federal government oh, and yeah. the world. You know, this is a climate problem. It's, it's, yeah. it's on everybody who's making these decisions. It's uh, none on the people, all on fossil fuel executives, the, and you know, friends. 200 of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is we've lived through minor shortages for the last 2 years and we're now just v- very quickly coming up against the consequences of inaction on climate change mm. resulting in the same thing we just had from a pandemic but worse. Mm. I mean at imagine- the same time because yeah. they're
3: trucking in food. Oh, uh, they're overlapping. Imagine if there was a trucker shortage right now. Oh wait, <laughs> cuz <'cause laughs> once you've got a rail problem and a trucker shortage you don't have A plan C. We're not boating in food.
0: Yeah, because we
2: didn't build the bay. I'm just imagining how it would look if the media covered this climate disaster the same way they cover other climate disasters, where we'll have a record heatwave and the front pages are like, fun in the sun, (laughs) Big old heatwave sends you to the beach, and this is like, Climate floods destroy the rail link to Western Australia, severing their food supply. Slim down for spring. <laughs> no
1: <laughs> food to Western Australia. Nice one.
2: Bunch of train drivers
3: fishing off the back of the container.
1: <laughs> but see, the, the thing with this um, that interests me, though, like, especially with, like, OK, COVID has exposed, um, you know, how tenuous the links are between federal and state government in terms of supply for money, in terms of, you know, um, support for any sort of necessary industry. But what's always so funny to me is that this has happened before, it will happen again with climate change. Um, If you go back and look at any sort of literature about um, the Spanish influenza pandemic, um, one of the funniest things I ever read this in the last year was like this article about how the flu affected Australia. And one of the paragraphs said something like, the pandemic caused like disputes between all the states. Mm. There was different policies of border controls and quarantine and interstate transport links. That was like... Nineteen eighteen. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally the same thing all over again. It just—we've not learned shit. We've
0: not learned fucking anything. The religious discrimination bill. You've heard about it. You've seen this. You've seen this bloody religious discrimination bill. Um, I'm just gonna get super self-indulgent because I have a podcast here. But I was (laughs) lucky enough and privileged enough to be on the drum uh, week just gone. You can watch it on on, on ABC iView. It was a good time. I like being on that show. Thanks for having me on, gang. And I was told before I went on that one of the things we'd be talking about would be the religious discrimination bill and the fallout and all the political stuff from that. So I read up on it and I had all these talking points and we didn't fucking get to it. So unfortunately, the podcast is now going to be like the shower that you have where you relitigate an argument you had with someone hours later and better and you have really good points you want to hit and then you just fucking smash that person.
1: Actually, before we start, Mitch, before we start, when you, before you went on to the segment and with the knowledge before, like, you know, that you were going to talk about it, did you know about the announcement that Labour was going to offer conditional backing, quote, unquote, to the bill?
0: Fucking did I ever uh, which, is the, which is the other thing I didn't get to talk about On national TV Was labour Grow a fucking spine um, Even if he didn't
2: know about it Even if they hadn't announced it Before he went on He knew you spiritually You could see it coming <laughs> yeah.
0: You could make a guess Rolling the dice on While I'm re- Like while we're fucking Filming that And I'm talking about that Am I risking Defo If I say definitively That they're like Going to support it But they'll raise concerns Oh, what are the odds I'll fucking get that <laughs> exactly right. You
2: could have just said you got a text from a minister. and <laughs> They would be like, who did it, rather than, no, you didn't, because they fucking obviously <laughs> were
0: going to support it, because they always oh, do. Anyway, you but can sorry. talk about it. Make your well, the religious discrimination bill, you would have heard about it, because it's been going on for fucking years now, and it is this weird tension in Australian politics where... Religious, I wouldn't even say religious people because studies have shown that the majority of people in this country don't seem to want the extreme ends of the religious discrimination bill. So it's religious fundamentalists, it's weird schools, it's business leaders, it's all those weirdo gronks that we have in our society that are still just very out of touch with everyone. It's not yeah. even
2: really weirdos, right? It's like you don't need to be a weird religious person to yeah. be a homophobe. Yeah, just be just
0: homophobes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Also, I just want to point out it is. This religious discrimination bill, uh, I just want to be clear, it is revenge. It is revenge for losing out on every single cultural war that has happened in Australia in the last few like decades. Um, they've lost the war on you know, gay marriage and such a long, hard-fought battle that was. Any sort of other discrimination, this is the last little bit of trying yeah, mm. to fight back. And of course there's there's plenty more battles in the future that I can go on about, but this is revenge. Uh, this is a way that they 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 seek to amend current equal and like discrimination acts. Um yeah. and in in some cases overriding state legislation, some of which has mm. been very recently implemented. Um it, it's such a blatant salvo to like religious groups to help them sort of continue to do discrimination that is, like, undermining state laws.
2: I, I just want to clarify that it's not religious groups. It's homophobic groups. Yes. There's plenty of religious groups that are not homophobic. This isn't yeah. a bill to allow religious people to practice their religion. It's a, it's a bill to allow homophobes to practice their homophobia <laughs> using religion as a shield. Yes, that's, no, that's you, what it you're is.
1: absolutely right, McLean. And much like the current trend of the federal government, um, it is using an, a cover of religion to enact homophobic
2: laws. Right. I, I, I just, like, we, we, we shit on religious uh, sort of uh, s- practice uh, sometimes on the pod and I, I just, like, I think it's deeply insulting to the many millions of Christians who are not homophobes to suggest that homophobia, that homophobia is a core part of Christianity. It's mm. yeah. not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they, when we're talking about it being, you know, uh, f- freedom for religious people, like you said, Evie, we're not seeing, like, Muslims coming out and talking about it. They're not fronting them. They're not, ge- they're not getting Buddhists up talking about this sort of shit either. It is, it is homophobes. The two big parts of this that are coming out are essentially uh, clauses for businesses, which include private schools, which we'll get to, to be able to discriminate against, like, gay and trans people, essentially, And the one main point I really wanted to make about this is what we've touched on already, but I really want to be fucking explicit because our politicians are not doing this. We are talking about fucking bigotry and we are fiddling around the edges with bigotry. We have fucking Amanda Stoker, senator, religious homophobe general fucking weirdo who's worried about the unintended consequences. Mm. Hey guys, hold your horses. There might be unintended consequences if we fuck around with legislation to stop bigotry and discrimination. To which I say, fuck off forever. You have (laughs) no place in this society. This is the point I wanted to make on national TV. So if you listen to the podcast, good enough. That (laughs) our politicians and our journalists and people in general need to start from the position that we will not tolerate bigotry in any form. That's non-negotiable. From that position, we work backwards to fix legislation for religious people and whatever, whatever, whatever. But we we should not be using gay kids and trans kids as these fucking political tools, as pawns to move around and to hand and to show that you're playing 4D chess with these other little bits and pieces. The Labour Party not wanting to get wedged on the issue of bigotry against gay and trans people. The whole thing is fucking... Fucking disgusting. And I can't say that on national TV. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the insane thing about that too is that there is a lot of division in the Liberal Party and the Liberal National Party coalition about this bill. There is a trio of people who have indicated like any sort of amendments have would, wouldn't be like sufficient for their support. There's like four Liberal moderates, Angie Bell, Katie Allen, Dave Sharma and Fiona Martin, who all – like don't like uh have been arguing very strongly against the kind of amendments that Scott Morrison wants. Um like there is a lot of division within the coalition about this bill and the Labor Party their response is yeah we'll support it in principle like you know with minor amendments we don't really want to discriminate against gay kids like you can't it is so insane to me that you see the coalition and you don't want to, like, exploit that division within them by not supporting the bill.
0: There are people in the Liberal Party doing a better job of opposing the government than the fucking opposition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fucking hell. So this bill, um, it's been sort of tabled with various amendments for the last three years. And the reason why we're talking about it this week is that there was... Uh, a parliamentary joint committee on human rights that was established uh, t- as an inquiry into this bill um, and its related sort of amendment bills um, to see whether it infringed upon human rights in terms of discrimination, um, sort of examining whether there were conflicts with the, with um, other state laws. The same thing I was talking about before, whether it overrides them or not, obviously it clearly does. Um, so what's the...
2: What's the actual thing that the bill is? Is, is it basically just the, the sort of the, should a gay no? What's it call it? Should, should a baker should a homophobic baker have to make a gay wedding cake? It, it's it's <laughs>
1: more thing? about um, schools and religious institutions. Um, right.
2: If I'm a if I'm a Catholic homophobic school, I have to can't fire my gay teacher.
1: Yeah, it's conduct by religious bodies. Um, there's a lot yeah. of like sort of a bit parts to it. One of the things um, that is. Um, under sort of investigation is uh, the idea of a statement of belief. So basically that you have to sign a statement of of like, you know, saying you believe this and like, you know, (laughs) uh, that conceivably you could say that, you know, you believe that homosexuality is wrong. Um, And if you sign that and then you turn out to be gay, that they could like, the idea is that they could fire you for that. And there are various sort of exemptions to it um, that have been discussed um, there's also been sort of um an examination of whether this infringes on existing equal opportunity acts as well um what kind of offenses that could be um you know be determined from this act as well so there's it's quite a complex sort of package of legislation but with this inquiry um basically it didn't change anything and it only like sort of offered tiny technical amendments um and some like part of those amendments could make the bill worse.
2: <laughs> Classic.
1: Labour put in notes um, saying, oh, yeah, we should consider it, which is basically just now their way of being a small target and not committing to, like, any position at all. So they're, they're giving support in principle but just saying, yeah, we should just make sure that we don't discriminate against people. But you're not offering any solutions there. I mean, so – I mean, you,
0: you touched on schools there, and one of the flashpoints for this in the last week gone was the City Point Christian College uh, released a proposed student enrollment form um, which was, you know, based on their religion. And hey, the principal's just putting this out there because he's not a homophobe, he's just religious. Uh. That form, this is a direct quote, has said that they will only enroll the student on the basis of the gender that corresponds to their biological sex. They also had in this document a proposed student enrollment form for some fucking reason had parts in it that likened homosexuality to incest, pedophilia, and bestiality. That is fucking oh. craven, evil, like we've said, and embarrassingly last fucking century. That's the other thing about this. Like what Evie said is that this is the last bastion of the culture war. It's because they're so fucking out of touch with where society wants to be these days that we still have these fucking fossil type people and their ideas coming up into the national fucking conversation. (laughs) Because for some reason, a very small amount of people want this through and we have to talk about it as if it's a valid piece of legislation.
3: It isn't! Oppose it! Get rid of it! Uh, there's also a touch of like sovereign citizen stuff there, where they're like, "Oh, I know it's the law and everything, but what if we made them sign a contract where they said they're not allowed to be gay?"
2: It's also when a, <laughs> when a religious body compares homosexuality to pedophilia in a way that's like, "What? So you're okay with it? Is that what you're trying
1: to say?" <laughs> oh yes, and it's such a time old, it's such a time old strain of homophobia too. I should point out too, like a lot of the um, support for this bill of, like, you know, saying, actually, it's fine. Like, you know, gay people really aren't going to be discriminated against because it's 2022 and they won't really suffer any sort of real consequences. Ugh. First of all, that's not true. Um, you know, teachers have been fired in recent years. Students have been, you know, discriminated against and asked to leave schools. Also, hate crime still happens on a shockingly large scale. Like, yeah. you know, just today it was announced that, like, some teenagers were arrested for, like, you know, catfishing some older men to, like, gay bash them. What the hell? Like, what kind of I, – I, like, saying that queer people and queer kids in particular aren't at risk is just a, such a – It's nonsense. It's yeah. nonsense. The complete Bullshit. disconnection from reality. It's such a misunderstanding of how children work as well. Like,
2: a 14 year old sort of self-confidence and sort of integrity is, is generally speaking, hanging by a thread. If you've got yeah. a gay teenager, all it needs is one adult to sort of look at them and just be like, I don't think your identity is valid. They, they can send them into a spiral. Just, you can't say, oh, you know, like 45-year-old gay people can get married, so we don't need to worry about the sort of mental well-being of teenagers. It's madness.
3: Not to mention if you've got some sort of teenagers who aren't gay who are looking for what society's expectations on things are, and they're going, oh, my school has a contract that says being gay is bad and illegal. Let's go bully some people because we've got the support of law.
0: Yeah, it's but, it, but there's also the idea that other schools have that sort of stuff as well. It's not just some a Christian college. Oh, well, I just won't go there. No, that's a blight
1: on the entirety of society that that is allowed to exist. Yeah, like I just want to go back to the thing that I was talking about in terms of those um teenagers that were arrested. Where do you think that those attitudes come from? They like yep. kids aren't born homophobic. They're brought up in an environment that's homophobic that leads them to act in violent ways that are homophobic. Yep. Like mm-hmm. where what, what are those kids hearing? What are they being told? I just want to
0: I I just need to think about it like this this has been st- stuck in my mind for like the last week or so but just imagine if what we were talking about was not gay and trans kids but indigenous australians yeah mm. it's the sa- it's the same shit we did have schools and businesses like, pass out the races of people and you could discriminate, but it was okay because they could still do certain things, blah, blah, blah. We would not be having this fucking conversation in the same ways. And I really do think it's fucking disgusting when the media allow the conversation to be framed as political maneuvering and trying to secure votes. Imagine if it was like Amanda Stoker is worried about the unintended consequences of barring schools from expelling Indigenous Australian students for being Indigenous. Mm. Right, like oh, yep. Some people in the Liberal Party are blocking the government from discriminating against black people. Like, for fuck's sake, cunts. <laughs> We're beyond this. People should be treated with fucking scorn when they bring this shit up as if it's not that big a deal and something we can pass out. It's fucking not. Fuck you.
2: You also got to acknowledge that there's a lot of people in the Liberal Party and the Labor Party who would be <laughs>
1: very
0: happy to have
2: that conversation. <laughs> but they know it's not okay.
1: Yeah, mind you, Mitch, it's I'm glad that you brought up that point in terms of like what if it were and like, you know, another sort of vector of what is literally intersectionality. Um, it makes me think about the conversation that was had about a Muslim player who recently decided um not to participate in the Pride Round in the women's um football league. Um and this is a conversation I've had quite a few times, which is she you know she did it in a way that was you know conscious of the fact that she's very young she is supportive of her queer teammates but what isn't what people who like you know perhaps are really comfortable in a sort of modern australian environment don't realize is that also like she could be facing blowback for supporting queer people herself. Even being an ally is still dangerous in some communities. And that is the reason why we have to fight so hard for these kind of things to, like, you know, protect queer kids because it is a danger that everyone still needs to consider. Like, you know, some people don't have the luxury of, like, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I can go to the Pride round or I can go to the Pride march that's on today. They might still face discrimination themselves. It's a safety
2: issue. There's a real sort of very... Um, liberal, not party politics liberal, but you know, political yeah. liberal, liberal stance that's just like, well, you know, gay marriage got passed, so homophobia was defeated. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's
3: like in America where they're like, oh, you know, you got civil rights, you got the vote, racism's fixed.
2: Yeah. yeah. Two conservative white men can get married to each other. So, what's the problem?
1: <laughs> the
3: Vatican just evaporates
1: yeah I, I, I think this, this the the religious discrimination bill is just one of those things where there's so many nuanced sort of fights that are still left for gay rights in this country that seem really basic. And we're still, like, we're not, we're not like a, you know, we're not as forward thinking as we think we are because these Mm. things are still, you know, people still, you know, suffer violence. They're still able to be fired in this way. Like, it's... It's weird that people rest on their laurels.
2: It, it's still totally acceptable to speak out publicly against the validity of trans people. Yes. That's, you, you don't yep. face consequences for that. That's, that's yeah. okay in this society, which is like, th- there's so clearly still work to be done. Oh, my God. I <laughs> know. <Yeah. laughs> it's not, it's it's not so a
3: quality until a politician would feel really stupid for being like, hey, what if schools could discriminate? You know, <laughs> we wouldn't have equality there until the question doesn't even
2: come up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: The HK sector's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's
2: going wrong.
1: It's all good. Segment over.
3: What about all the, uh, all the uh, deaths?
2: <laughs> mm. No. What do you say, Lang? <laughs> That's the answer to that, Lang? No.
1: <laughs> the what? What about... McLean hauling out body bags and saying, no, no, it's all good. No, no.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, one over his I'm, shoulder. I'm taking
2: them to the cricket, everybody. It's fine. <laughs> Fucking hell.
0: This is this just sort of broke all of us in in fun little ways this week. Uh, there is a there is a clip of uh, of Skomo, who look. We're gonna put the audio in. It's funny audio, but I I really must implore you to go look at the footage. Because when Scott Morrison slips up, he pulls a face like a kid in like an early 90s movie that gets caught with chocolate smeared all over it. He's talking <laughs> about the aged care sector and, and he's, he's talking about how, you know, there are problems, but it's okay. And if there's some issues, but we're, we're fixing them. And then because it's a fucking crisis, he goes, and there's issues, there is a crisis. <laughs> And I want to thank everybody for the incredible work they're doing to keep those in our care in the best possible care we can provide in a crisis in a in a, in a situation of this nature. Now you heard me say crisis, and I know for many Australians that's how it feels. And then and then look on his face. At... Oh, I've said it, and just watching him fucking spin and being like, "Fuck, I've got to spin. What do I do? And he goes, "Oh, I did, I did call it a crisis, but you know, ha, blah blah blah." Oh, ha, no, blah, no, blah, no. He blah, blah, didn't blah, blah. say
2: I did call it a crisis. He said, "You heard me call it a crisis." <laughs> yeah, the
0: fucking the media cops speak of it
2: all as well. I didn't you ha- say it. Ah, you, heard you heard me say. It. If you think I saw it, it said it was a <laughs> crisis. That's on you, mate. That's a you problem. Because obviously the government has been saying for the last couple of weeks to cover for Richard Colbeck, who was also insisting, oh, it's a crisis? I've never heard of it. it's a crisis. I think that everybody's working very hard. Maybe everybody's working hard because everybody has to work really hard when there's a crisis, but, you know, whatever, Richard. Maybe the cricketers were working pretty
3: hard, but you uh, didn't think to check inside the aged care homes. But this is the thing. It's it's like, yeah, some people might call it a crisis because they're the people dying in aged care homes. But Scott Morrison, it's, it's not a crisis to him. Um, but if you're of the opinion that it is a crisis and people are being <laughs> left to die and aged care workers are being left to fend for themselves or quit um he has promised aged care workers they will get eight hundred dollars total if Just... if, you, if it's so bloody critical, here's enough to get yourself i don't know an ipad
0: pre election <laughs> bonus payments. Worth up to eight. It's just, it's, it's it, the thing is, it could be a lot to some people. But the problem with these oh, sure. I mean, everyone's to happy be. to get eight hundred dollars,
2: especially if you're a aged care worker who are famously not remunerated extremely well. Unless no, you're the totally. CEO of a private aged care industry, in which case you would you smashing
0: <laughs> it. But my point is that it's always the people who would benefit from that money the most. Having to be the loudest about how this is a fucking distraction. It's not a good enough fix. It's not actually enough money to fix the things we need to fix. It's always people like the fucking AUWU and those campaigners having to go, don't fucking be distracted by $800. Don't vote for this cunt because of this like fun little bonus. It's not anything. And yet there are people comfortable enough that are just sort of like,
1: oh, yeah, yeah. It's hilarious. He's fucked
0: everything, but also I got 800 bucks.
1: You know what that is, Mitch? What it reminds me of. It's like, Saying, don't be a scab. Like, don't be distracted by the little bribes that your employee is giving to you. Like, stand with everyone else and say that it's fucked. Like, don't, like, $800, that's not even as much as Rudbucks. And that was, like, not enough <laughs> yeah. for, like, a, like, a post financial crisis either. $800,
3: <laughs> even if you're an underpaid aged care worker, $800 is, like, a couple days' pay. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they've all put in way more than a couple days of unpaid labor. But right, this that's time. not going to pay off your overtime this
0: week, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also just like, I. From what I've read and heard, I'm not. I don't work in the aged care sector, so I'm not going to speak for those people. But the shit that I've read across healthcare in general, nurses, doctors, aged care workers, all the rest of it, is that it's not even about fucking money anymore. Like, we, they need staff, they need proper breaks, they need supplies. It's not mm. about having some extra money in their fucking account. They're doing overtime and getting paid for it. You are the government, though. You can put better supports in place.
3: You know, what we've got to do is we've got to have an inquiry. (laughs) (laughs) We've got to have an investigate, because a lot of people are saying a lot of things. Uh, And how are we to know what is or isn't true unless we get a whole bunch of bureaucrats who have nothing to do with it? Or maybe some experts. We pay them a whole lot of money. We take many, many months. We hope it's all gone away by the time we release a report and say, yeah, it's still fucked.
2: Yeah, that's it's the inquiry into why we do didn't the inquiry into why we didn't implement any of the recommendations of the very recent royal commission into exactly the same thing.
1: Uh, I reckon this sounds like another royal commission to me, to be honest.
0: I swear to fucking god, at this point, the only thing we can do is have a royal commission into the ineffectiveness of royal commissions, <laughs> a senate inquiry into senate inquiries, and why nothing fucking happens at the end of it. That's- they just call <laughs> it the they just call it the
2: royal commission into the aged care sector, like not even. Two, they just call it the same thing again. Like it's just like a Marvel movie series reboot. They just, you know, it's the next
3: one. We're just doing it again. (laughs) They should just give them the same one again. Just take a two-month
0: holiday. (laughs) They do like what they're doing with Batman, and they just put the in front of it. It's a big ominous one. Mm. Me, yeah. I mean, they could just like lean into the farce of it
2: and just do it all again with the same (laughs) people (laughs) saying the same things. Oh my god, the the same same times.
1: (laughs) Literally like just the same thing all over again. Just the same
2: thing. They just, like, just go... Because there's going to be footage of those meetings and recordings and stuff. See if you can get it word for word, government. That
0: would be really sick. You could do it, I reckon. I've got a better idea. Our art sector at the moment is struggling. What we do is (laughs) we get actors and we do a roundtable read of the first. Oh, Oh, we do a Like We need to support live performances, Mitch. We could do lots of little pop-up theatres where
2: they
1: reenact the Royal Commission into aged care. You just send that script around. It's Lady Ghostbusters except the Royal Commission.
0: <laughs> let's, let's recast Richard Cole back as a
3: woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because that was the problem with the last Royal Commission. It was not diverse enough.
0: The last
2: Royal Commission failed the Bachelot test. It wasn't performed by enough Perth improv. Because uh, <laughs> they're struggling at the moment as well, guys. Yeah,
3: I think we could announce a new arts grant for the best interpretation of the Royal Commission. Are you going to do it as a mural? Is it going to be a spoken word piece? Are you just going to have the original one and or just put as per my previous email up the top?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but like, look, we're joking because the all of these inquiries and Royal Commissions are at this point a fucking farce and deserve no more than all that riffing. Like, wh- yeah. I cannot think of something proper that has happened from any of these reports.
1: Yeah, it, it drives me. Like, I've said this before on the podcast, but, like, one of my ongoing bugbears, especially as someone who has worked on royal commissions in the past, my ongoing bugbear is someone asking for a royal commission or a class action. It, there is oh, there is so good. There's nothing that, <laughs> like, you could hold to my face like a red rag to a bull that gets me going. <laughs> Then someone saying we should have a royal commission into this because the
2: royal commission.
1: Yeah, like literally, what the fuck has happened from every other royal commission? If someone has a royal commission into my anger issues, <laughs> nothing's going to happen from that either because I'm yeah. still going to be fucked <laughs> off at the end of it. You're <laughs> just be angry. Just nothing happens. Nothing has happened. If someone can give me one solid, concrete example from the last twenty years of a royal commission which has resulted in. Noticeable, actionable change that is lasted by all means. Feel free to like write into the mailbox and say, "Well, Evie." This- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this- there was yeah.
2: the um the Victorian government made uh, public intoxication not a criminal offence anymore after thirty years of the Royal Commission into <laughs> Dancing <and> Custody. Is <laughs> yeah, that the, uh, that's the one I, think. one I think. We got that one.
1: And th- and that was like literally after like several people died as well.
0: Um there were ANZ changed some language in some of their contracts and the heads of it uh, made apologies.
1: Oh, thanks ANZ. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> um Cheers
0: the unions for that. were exonerated? The unions were exonerated. That was because they found nothing even in a royal commission even in oh, a hit yeah, piece yeah. royal commission the that unions excluded the
2: worst with union. the practical outcome of the government's not allowed to try and shit on the <laughs> unions anymore <but> <laughs>
3: <laughs> there's quite a good um, episode here of a podcast called Not Good Enough November 3rd <laughs> <laughs> uh, the episode title is Commission Impossible that's quite funny uh, um, we're good. fuck we're good all about the bushfire royal commissions uh, they did a pretty oh, good yeah, deep dive Do we have a bushfire royal, con-
0: royal fucking commission? fucking did we ever
3: yeah. walk Oh, my
2: it? God.
3: There have been since the <laughs> year 2000. Hell. Sorry, this is just... I'm just reading some of the notes here. This is quite good. <laughs> Show uh, since the year 2000, there have been over 200 inquiries into natural disasters, mostly bushfires. Uh, and they just... They do another one. And it doesn't yeah, stop the this. bushfires. It's funny, that.
2: I love that there's so many inquiries. Just like at a certain point, you've got to be like, you know... You know what happened. Yeah. I reckon they should start running these inquiries by someone wearing like a Riddler costume with just like
1: the question marks
0: on there. (laughs) The (laughs) commissioner. Uh,
1: Just like talking about meaningful (laughs) change... (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I want to think about the Royal Commissioner And it's this hokey British guy Who's Batman's villain Who just gets in the way with needless paperwork The Royal Commissioner <laughs>
2: Who finds out Batman's secret identity Every episode <laughs> And then every next episode he's like Who is Batman? Batman <laughs> I
3: think they just need a new rule, which is that every Royal Commission document is delivered in the back of a brand new emergency vehicle. That's all. We've 200 new fire trucks on the road since, since, 20, oh th- my since God. the last 20 years.
1: I, I just want to sort of <laughs> lead us... I want to lead us back onto the garden path of aged care and sort of, you know, just healthcare in general. (laughs) Um, Royal commission into how
2: we got so far off topic. (laughs) We know the
1: the thing. Like, I I, I want to thread the needle a little bit here because um, I I know people who work in aged care and healthcare. Um, You know, I've I've, one of my friends works in has worked in disability. Um, I was just talking to her yesterday um, over lunch and. Last year, during um during the lockdowns, her work actually closed up shop immediately, like completely. Um, and she worked for in disability healthcare, but it was like a very holistic approach where she was actually doing the casework of like three different kinds of like necessary casework. So she was doing like medication management, she was doing house visitations, she was like helping uh, people sort of. Understand their NDIS applications and what they were, you know, what they were eligible for, or what they could use, you know, their their little vouchers for that we discussed last episode, um, and sort of navigating the system, and the entire thing shut up shop, and like all these people are left stranded, and she was like, everyone knows what the problems are with this situation. Mm. The problem is yeah. you need people on the ground who need to be paid well to help people in the myriad of ways that they need mm. to, to be helped um, to survive the system. One of her clients was like, had multiple issues, like, you know, had been incarcerated, had, um, you know, experienced like, you know, severe mental health problems, had other sort of health issues. And like, you know, again, like I said before, needing to navigate the NDIS as well. And with no one to support them, how the fuck are they supposed to, you know, have, like, all those pillars of their life to, you know, navigate life as normal? Um, and that is I mean, that applies to aged care as well. Like, these yeah. are people who are at the end stage of their life. Often, like, you know, sometimes they have family to be able to support them. And they're usually the ones who get better care because they have advocacy. But sometimes they don't what's left for them we know the issues like you said like every single time like these inquiries happen we know where the failure points are mm. it is not hard to figure out what the support is like and overall the uh, the the only solution to all of it is more fucking money or like that yeah, is the yeah, simplest solution
3: <laughs> Even more specifically, and it's the same with teachers, with firefighters, with healthcare. It's more better supported staff. Yeah. that's all. Yeah, any of them need is more better supported staff, and that is available. You've just got to actually commit to it. Instead of being like, "Oh, we're gonna do a, we're gonna roll out a new thing to get laptops in school. just fucking get more better paid teachers.
1: Exactly, and it starts from the very start. Like again, another friend who like works in uni admin, talking about like, oh, there's lots of like government supported places for things like digital marketing or, Mm. you know, things like that, like, you know, women in STEM, whatever, I don't care. But, like, um, there's no money or financial support for the most essential industries that a country needs, healthcare workers, teachers. Like, these are the things that we need to survive as people and there's just nothing.
3: And you know why that is? Because you can't buy teachers off a contractor. You can't bloody get one of your mates in digital procurement to send you a million dollars of teachers. Uh, yeah. It just doesn't happen. The only way you get more teachers or more nurses or more HK workers is by paying workers and oh, paying workers. Gross. And it's not
2: just Boo. paying them either. It's like there's a lot of condition stuff as well. That's mm. just like ongoing employment rather than just being on a casual contract, like a guarantee that you're not mm. going to be shuffled around between a bunch of different places. Like there's there's. They've got rights. Ah, they
3: need meaningful placements too,
1: so they get experience and, like, you know, in you know a variety of environments, so that they know what happened, like, what to do in a crisis. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many things.
0: One thing that is difficult to like just put a very like quick fix on, or or a quick sort of um explanation is also like the intergenerational wisdom that comes from workers that have Mm. been there for fucking ages. That's super important. So worker retention is really important Mm. and Um, that's not something you can just train at uni. You have to provide really good like services and support and you need to keep updating them as situations change. You need to make people want to stay there because they keep places running. Head nurses and the oldest serving teachers know the ins and outs of areas and can help people on board to their specific place of work and show them the ropes essentially and that's so fucking important i watched my cohort at university have a really fucking hard time when funding was cut and we lost so many really smart knowledgeable people that have mm. been in the one place for fucking ages that's hey mitch too. do
1: you know who's leaving in droves at the moment from their from their place of employment Healthcare workers I mean, every, teachers like that, literally everyone, everyone but also but yeah. especially yeah. <laughs> those two that, no, 100%. Like, what are you going to do? You've had enough over two years being told, yeah, we're going to support you eventually. We know you're essential workers and getting sweet uh, Just buckle. push through. <laughs> just nothing. What are you supposed to do? You can't take it anymore. You're a human mm. being. And you're trying to do your best because you also, you like you have that concern about wanting to look after people, wanting to look after your students, wanting to look after your patients. But yeah. you physically can't take mm. it anymore.
2: That's the thing. If you want worker retention, the jobs need to be good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Safe.
2: Um,
3: and it's, it's important to remind people here that uh, healthcare is the number one employing industry uh, in, I believe, in Australia, but certainly outside of the cities. Um, people make a big fuss about fossil fuel jobs. They're like the lowest. Healthcare is the highest.
1: So some other stuff happened this week. Um, some texts. <laughs> <laughs> that, look, someone was fucking the text man for texts, but. <laughs>
3: Minister text man.
1: <laughs> this is, um, everyone's had to be party to me being completely infuriated by how how much of a nothing burger this entire thing. I'll just give like a very, very brief description of it. There was some texts leaked of an anonymous Liberal Cabinet Minister um, criticising Scott Morrison. And, you know, various names were called and it's like, you know, know, insulting the Prime Minister. Um, What actually went down was that a journalist decided to ask Scott Morrison about this at the National Press Club, an event for losers, Um, and... (laughs) I, but, uh, I... just... trying to have a drink and you drop that
0: shit. Prime Minister, at the start of your speech, you mentioned your close friendship with Maurice Payne. Mm. Uh, I wanted to ask you about another close friend, Gladys Berejiklian, mm. uh, and somebody that you wanted to run, actually, at the next election. Mm. I've been provided with a text message exchange between the former New South Wales Premier mm-hmm. and a current Liberal Cabinet Minister. I've got them right here. In one, she describes you as, quote a horrible, horrible person, going on to say she did not trust you and you're more concerned with politics than people. The minister is even more scathing, describing you as a fraud and, quote, a complete psycho. Does this exchange surprise you and what do you think it tells us?
1: I just (laughs) don't... I don't understand why we have such amnesia as a country... Of every time there is some sort of explosive leak of texts that mean <laughs> essentially nothing now my my argument for this is first of all this is this was discussed at the National Press Club as I said, an event for losers, which is basically it's a controlled environment in which political journalists, mostly like you know the press gallery in Canberra, are there to socialise and have access to the avenues of power, namely the federal government.
2: It's like an open mic night.
1: It's an open (laughs) mic. It literally is. Um, You know, people... Just
2: journos (laughs) always coming up to the politicians being like, can I get a spot? (laughs) (laughs) I reckon I'd be good at this. Backbench is like, how'd you get that?
1: It's a controlled environment in which everyone knows what the other person is going to say. So when... This journalist, like a royal commission. (laughs) (laughs) When this journalist spoke to Scott Morrison and asked him about the text, my argument is Scott Morrison knew that he was going to ask that question. This journalist then came later out later when someone asked him about like the rest of that conversation, he actually said as much. He said, "I wasn't authorised to release them until now. Sorry, what?" How is it a leak if you were authorised or unauthorised to do it? This is a limited hangout where they give you enough to have a little distraction talking about texts and how, it, like, you know, Scott Morrison's being called names by other ministers. But <laughs> in the end, it comes to nothing. It means nothing. There, there, there have been other incidents where, like, Turnbull called Matthias Corm- Corman weak and treacherous. What happened there? Yeah. Nothing. Someone uh, else. Oh, he
2: got a spot of the OECD. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just like, yeah. you know, like, all, like the even Brittany Higgins, her boss calling her a lying cow. It wasn't like, it wasn't really a text, but it's still like one of those things where it was leaked as a strategy. This is just strategy. It doesn't matter to constituents. Yeah. It doesn't affect policy. It's not anything that means anything. And we really have to stop allowing journalists to distract us with <laughs> bullshit like this. Yeah. It is oh.
0: I just I just do need to say that for defamatory purposes,
1: I don't know, maybe Scott
0: Morrison didn't know. I don't know. But like <laughs> the other the the other thing the other thing though is that like yeah, when he's talking about oh he wasn't authorized to do it blah blah blah. blah these you need to keep in mind that politicians fucking hate each other as much as they hate you. Mm. Yes, so oh my And so all gosh. this is is a political move for the people in politics. And journalists are part of that. They love having their access. They love playing these games as well. And so what happens is journalists uh, journalists have politicians get in their ear and the politicians are like, oh, I've got something if you want to mo- make a move on this guy. I can see you don't like him. What if you do this for me and I can help you with this? And the journalist is like, oh, this is great. I'm one of the big boys. I'm part of the club. This is yeah. so good. It's, it's for nothing. Like, as Evie just said, it's not for anything other than people playing their own political games in there. Because I have no doubt that inside the Liberal Party now, the text message being read out has caused ramifications. But those ramifications are limited to the internal politicking of the Liberal Party. Mm. They're just playing their silly fun games with each other, which they fucking love because this is why they got into politics. They fucking love this shit. Imagine
2: just the, 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 I wasn't authorized to leak it earlier than, than this. is. It just tells you everything that Absolutely. you need to know. Absolutely. Imagine your job being political journalist and you get a scoop from a politician who is like, don't tell anyone though. And you don't.
3: You're basically, you're not a journalist, you're a messenger boy. Yeah. You're a, oh, you're but a if PR I, Oh, guy.
2: but if I do what they say, if I don't do what they say, then I'll lose access. You, the thing that you're access losing to access what? to is being <laughs> used by them as a platform of communication. You are not. Yeah. You don't
1: have access. I, I want to describe what this journalist said as well, so in terms of, like, okay. being not authorised. So Peter Van on- Onselen basically said to Virginia Trillion on ABC – about those texts. She said, sorry, he said, I can't say who the minister is because the minister is the source and he got all the screenshots, the minister was current and the deal was that he wouldn't out the senior liberal for the leak. It's so cowardly. Like just the most pointless form of access journalism. You're a senior gallery reporter willingly and publicly allowing yourself to be used to launder that minister's views about the prime minister. So you can get your like moment in the sun.
0: Well, further to that, like just piggybacking off what McLean was saying about imagine being a political journalist and that's what you do. Imagine getting a scoop and not using it in the public interest, but using it for a politician's interest. For yeah. some context, this was apparently between a senior liberal politician, ma, ma, ma and Gladys Berejiklian. Hmm. I wonder when that would have maybe been in the public interest to put a story out about what she's talking about with the internal blah, 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 if you're really that into the internal machinations of the state and federal fucking liberal parties. But no, wait for when a fucking conservative politician wants you to skewer another one because he's trying to get a leg up over him. Well fucking done. That is the sign of a journalist with integrity, I say. Let's all go to the midwinter ball with each other and wank <laughs> each other off. What a fucking good time it is being a candidate. Camp- Amber, press gallery journalist. Look at all the access I have. Look at all the stories I know that I won't talk about. We knew about Vicky Campion for fucking ages. We knew about George Christensen for ages. It's so special that we knew about it, but we can't say anything because the constituents in Australia are fucking hogs and we hate them just like politicians hate them. Yum, 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 yum. I'm part of the fucking club.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just to – my conclusion (laughs) basically every time this happens is that journos and pollies – in Canberra are just a bunch of fucking losers where no no actual no actual fun things happen in their life that this is the only way they can make entertainment for themselves. Like if a text calling the Prime Minister a psycho is the best you can manage in like gleeful, like accidental reveals of interpersonal drama, you lead deeply boring lives. Like nothing nobody will care in a week this is the friction of like an alleged insult in the present for like uh, like <laughs> saying that it's like a meaningful pushback against the prime minister. But like there is a long history of journalists who do gossip laundering and then coy in every other detail and nothing comes through. Like you said, Vicky Campion, people fucking knew until she was visibly pregnant and nothing <laughs> happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is so like this is the boringness of their lives. Just do better drugs, you fucking losers. Yes, this oh sucks. <laughs> it's also like.
2: There's, it's not like nothing else is happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, slow Newsweek! We had to talk about the texts. The, <laughs> a slow Newsweek has not happened since 20-fucking-15. <laughs> here's my theory on
3: journalists, is that to get a job, to get a high-level job in journalism, you have to basically dedicate your life and all your skills and your career to understanding media and politics machinations and networking and... And all that shit, which means you don't have a lot of time left over to give a shit about, you know, climate change or the real world or or <laughs> stuff outside of that. And so when a story comes up that is about journalism and politics and internal machinations, you're like, fuck, yes, I know all about this. But when someone's like, hey, we need you to cover this story about like a deadly heatwave in Perth, you go, mm? oh, oh, I don't know much about that. I guess I'll just repeat the press release from the Minerals Council. Um <laughs> we've we've created an industry entirely staffed with effectively gossip columnists who were just looking out for jobs, and that's the big game to them, and anything that happens outside the bubble is not in their field of expertise
2: or caring. It's uh, bloody Baudrillard's The Simulation, right? Where he's like, the story of the thing that's happening replaces the reality of the thing that's happening. 100%. Where they're just like, oh, man, the leaked text, that's the story. Oh, there's a climate disaster. What's the story there, though? That's not interesting. there's not there's not story, so we can't cover that
3: well Ridiculous. we're 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 at the point of the simulacrum where journalists are writing about journalists, writing about journalists, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> where we're like, oh, the story here isn't Morrison has allowed aged care workers to die. it's How is Labour going to spin this to talk to the media? Ooh, it'll be interesting to see what the media coverage is here. Will that cut through to the voters? I'm like, I'm sorry. You're the media coverage. That was
2: the fucking hair, hair, the hairdressing hair wash where the, the, the headline about that was Morrison washing the person's hair as a press stunt threatens to overshadow the news of the aged care crisis. That's, the, that's them writing about it. Oh, it
0: threatens to over. It's you doing it. <laughs> they always fucking do that. They fucking love doing it. It's like, what? I love it when other journalists talk about distractions and other things that are distracting journalists. It's you. You're doing <laughs> it. Because they're
3: wall-to-wall media savvy and they want to talk about media.
0: But all that said, look, it's a distraction. It's shit. This is not yeah. bullshit. This is fucked. But, but. Barnaby Joyce is fucking a funny gronk, isn't he? (laughs) So, 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 okay. So, all of this, all of this did happen. And, and so on Friday morning, um, uh, Barnaby Joyce had had come out, and, and places were quoting him as saying that the deputy prime minister has attacked the motivations of a liberal cabinet minister who leaked text damaging messages criticising Scott Morrison. Oh, oh, Barnaby Joyce got up there. You can't attack the prime minister. That's fuck. Barnaby Joyce's fucking fiance. Vicky Cambion wrote an article headlined coward cabinet minister who leaked texts should quit. And then by Friday afternoon, texts from Barnaby Joyce calling Morrison a hypocrite and a liar sent to Brittany Higgins a few years ago were leaked to the public. Which is just again... This isn't anything other than, like, that's funny because someone wanted to fuck over Barnaby Joyce. This is just politics. They all Mm. know this stuff happening in the background. They've all got these texts and they are just sitting there, politicians and journalists alike, waiting to play these games with each other. Just unfortunately, they have to play these games in the public sphere. I've said it before, we need a politics tower. And you can just get into that tower and it's completely cut off from the rest of the world, but you can try to work your way up the hierarchy of the tower and then once a year someone's like, oh, I'm the head of the politics tower. And we all go, hey, great. Hey, good for you. But you don't impact the public conversation whatsoever.
1: <laughs> I, I just want to say a useful um, exercise is to imagine that uh, press gallery journalists and uh, federal parliamentarians and their staffers and whoever um are all little snitches who are they're (laughs) like the narcs they're the narcs at the party who take note of who's doing a line or who's got a popper in their hand and they write a little (laughs) note for themselves later so they can remember to use that as leverage that is just like the vibe of the entire of camp entirety of canberra that everyone takes note of everything that everyone does because that is how they live their lives. Every every interaction is leveraged for something else.
0: To, to, yeah, to further that metaphor, they take notes of who's doing lines, so if they need to, like, fuck them over later, they, they can. But before then, they'll keep going to that person for the coke because yeah. they yeah. do know that they're a good source <laughs> of it until then.
2: <laughs> and there's, they're not the snitches in the sense of, like, oh, people shouldn't be doing lines. That's illegal. I'm going to tell. Like, th- there's not even that. I'm going to call it nobility there. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Values.
0: Shout-outs this week. I want to shout out an absolute fucking legend. Uh, this was a small story that came out that should have been fucking much bigger. Well done, nah, the media. text though, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> but Vanuatuan seasonal worker Sergio gave evidence to the Senate Select Committee on Job Security recently, which is super important. I'm glad we've got another inquiry. This is not an inquiry. This is a select committee. It's very mm. different. A lot of good stuff is going to happen mm. from this. But this, this fucking legend was a seasonal worker who came to Australia to w- work seasonally and got mm. fucked over from his boss who just criminally, chronically underpaid him. So this dude... <laughs> a seasonal worker getting... Cr- no. <laughs> this guy, though, fucking organized the other seasonal workers and they fucking went on strike. I tell all my friends to go the strike. We stay at home. And we have some, some high pupils to come and help us, like Commissioner,
3: Union. We stay at home for one week, no food. And I call Union to come and help us to buy the food. And we stay at home. Medics come and force us to go to work. And I said, no, I come here for work money. I'm not come here for slave. You should give me a better life. And that's why I fight for my people. Just a yeah. straight
0: shout out to that dude who did not wait for like the head of a union to tweet about why it might be okay to do that, or even like needing a a union backing per se. Mm. Because I was I was actually saying this before we started recording, but like class consciousness really can be one of those things that just fucking hits you like a truck when you feel it, like when it when mm. it impacts you directly. There's nothing really academic about injustice like that. So massive shout out to that dude for giving a uh, giving his report at the select committee.
2: Yeah, and for standing up for himself and his mates. Uh, amazing. Yeah. The important
3: thing here is that he wasn't just underpaid. This is a guy who was exploited on one of these like come over here and work Sorry, yeah. sort of special visa deals, and was not allowed to go to a different, better-paying job. That was against the conditions of his job visa. In an uh, in a an industry where the government is desperately trying to get people into work here because like fruit is rotting in the fields. Well, here's the fix.
0: Yeah, stop using slave labor for it then. You <laughs>
2: fucking
3: yeah.
0: Mm. And actions this
2: week. Oh. Yeah, there's yeah, also, speaking ones. of friggin' slave labour, the bloody anti-poverty centre is running a fundraiser for their Abolish Work for the dole campaign. Yes. Work for the dole is, yeah. of course, yeah. where the government is uh, supporting people who need money and, you know, food and shelter and stuff by giving it to them, which is great. And then also being like, you should do work for that, though. You, 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 people, people shouldn't have food have and shelter unless they're that. doing work. You should be telemarketing. You should be... You know, making <laughs> yeah. a profit for somebody. You should be digging, digging a hole happen.
0: in the morning and filling it in the afternoon before you can have a bed and some food, you fuck. You'll yeah. be doing
3: full-time work for a company making full-time money, but you're not actually getting paid properly by that company.
2: Ah. Oh, anyway, it's gross. Those those Work for the Doll Sites are also notoriously shit. Like, you, they can abuse their workers. They, yeah. you know, th- 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 terrible. get
3: injured, yeah.
2: Anti-poverty centre running a campaign to abolish it. It's good stuff. Running a fundraiser. If you've got a bit of spare money,
0: why not throw it their way? Mm-hmm. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. Uh, mainly just share us around. Word of mouth is the best. Tell people, oh, fuck, I love podcasts. They're so good and I only listen to one and it's not good enough. <laughs> um, you can find us on the socials as well and follow us at notgoodpod and shoot us an email at uh, notgoodpod at
1: Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders and sovereignty was never ceded.